everyone, and welcome to episode 18 of the Backyard Banter Podcast. My name is Matt Harmon. I'm the host of this show. I am the host every week. Um, also, I, I said I was going to stop making that joke, and I, I haven't been able to, so uh, sorry about that for all the people who keep listening to the show. But um, before we get to our guest today, which is a tremendous guest, uh, uh, really, really excited to talk to him today. But before we do that, I got to get two little uh, housekeeping notes out of the way. Uh, first, as I mentioned last time, uh, we are running a, a contest where for iTunes reviews. If you leave a review on iTunes, you'll be entered to win the Scott Fishbowl. And if you don't know what the Scott Fishbowl is, it's a 48, 480 team Pro-Am Fantasy Football League includes 320 writers, podcasters, analysts from a bunch of different sites, NFL.com, ESPN, Yahoo, Roto World, Football Guys, Pro Football Focus, and a bunch more. You get to play with some of the best. You can probably beat me uh, and brag about it and a bunch of other guys. You can also win a ton of prizes, too. So if you leave a review on iTunes and, you know, it's good, uh, you will get picked to, to be in the league. And, and uh, I'll run that through the next episode, which brings me to my second point. Because the NFL draft is this week, we're only going to have one episode of the podcast. I'm not going to try to compete uh, with the NFL. Um, that would be foolish. But to make up for that, I brought on a really great guest for today's episode, and that is senior editor of Roto World, Evan Silva. Evan, how are you doing today? Harmon, what's up, man? I'm doing real well. Yeah, ha- happy to have you here. Uh, this is this is pretty exciting. Um, yeah, it, it's going to be going to be a good good chat today. No doubt. I've listened to every single one of your podcasts so far. What are you up to? Like 16, 18, something like that? Yeah, this is this is 18, which is is yeah. pretty shocking. Um, started doing two a week a little while ago just because people just kept demanding them. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I was curious about initially because I knew that I would have interest in these podcasts because I'm, you know, part of the fantasy industry and you know, I like to listen to Matthew Berry talk and I, you know, I I love to listen to Cecil Lammy's stories and, you know, Sigmund Bloom always makes you think and Matt Waldman always makes you smarter. And, you know, you, you've mixed in some great other people who maybe don't have as big of names. And I think you, you've done a, a great, a great job of like blending, uh, you know, and, and make diversifying the podcast. And I, I was curious though, is it just me, people that are in the industry or is it, you know, people that just play fantasy football, you know, who, who really is interested in this podcast? Well, that's a great question. Um, the, the funny thing about it is, is I figured it would be mostly, yeah, like you mentioned, I figured guys in the industry would be interested. The target audience was obviously like aspiring writers because that was yeah. really the goal was to, to, to bring about interest from those people, kind of give them a guide so that they can hopefully, you know, realize their life path or whatever. Um, but but it's been a lot more than that. Like people yeah. that have, have told me I have no interest in being a fantasy football writer or people that don't even play fantasy football or even really give a damn about football in general, because it's really, I mean, I just sit here, but uh, the guests tell great stories and, and I think it's been really relatable for people across, across different spectrums. So that, that's pretty sick. Yeah. And you've already done 18 interviews and I feel like you have the potential to, you, you could do hundreds. I mean, there, uh, yeah. Uh, there, there's so much opportunity for this. It wasn't like this five years ago. You know, it wasn't, there weren't a lot of fantasy writers. There, there really weren't. Um, but, you know, uh, football guys has gotten bigger. You know, Roto World has gotten a little bit bigger. Um, Rotoviz came around, you know, and a lot of different websites have popped up and there are a lot more opportunities today than there were, you know, five years ago, certainly eight years ago. Yeah, no doubt. Actually, to pull back the curtain here a little bit, I don't think I've mentioned this on the podcast, but a couple, like about a week ago, I was realizing like, God, there are so many good people to talk to. And like, I could even have guys like you mentioned, Matthew Barry and Matt Waldman, I could have them do second episodes because they yeah. just offer so much perspective. Um, but I so I went in and made like a spreadsheet of, of all these guests and like put them into different categories and stuff because this is what I do with myself because I'm a huge loser <laughs> um but yeah so there's and honestly it was like overwhelming i was like wow this is i'm only probably going to do this over the off season and then who knows going forward but there's so many people to talk to and you're right because there's so much opportunity um and, and it's a cool space i mean there's just like unique perspectives all around mm-hmm. yeah so 
to get into your perspective, Evan, I always I always start the podcast asking the guest, how did you first kind of come to, you know, like your like your podcast co-host Ross Tucker calls it, how did you come to to contract the sickness? Yeah. Um I mean, I think I just always had always had it. And it wasn't just for football, it was for all sports. Um I don't know, when I was growing up, I would like write these books full of like notebooks and just fill them with, uh, you know, statistics and depth charts and predictions for the upcoming season. And I mean, I would always do that. And even even when I was in college, this actually sounds dorky now that I think about it, real dorky. But uh, even in college, when I would come home, like for Christmas break, I would get right back into it and I'd, I'd start writing about sports. <laughs> and I mean, when I was done with college, I, um, or when I was in college, I always read this website called Roto World and I, I loved it because it was like, it was snarky and it was kind of funny and it was, you know, it dealt with projection, projections and um, what, you know, what Roto World thought would happen in the future. And they did a pretty good job, you know, and they would provide like lineup information, which you couldn't find anywhere else. Um, so, and I was a fantasy baseball and fantasy football player at the time. And, um, that's how I came to learn about Roto World. And I mean, I, I really think that I, I could have written about sport, about a lot of different sports. Um, but it just so happened that when I contacted Greg Rosenthal, their opening was for a football writer. And, um, or I, I, I kind of carved out that opening. And, um, and uh, just by begging Greg Rosenthal for an opportunity, and he gave me one. And uh, so now football is definitely my sickness. And, and, and NBA DFS in the, in the offseason. Oh God, good luck with that. I, I've mentioned this on the podcast several times. I just, I have like zero interest in any other sport. Um, yeah, but no, I mean, and you know, no shame, uh, to people that do, but yeah, it's, it's, I can't even imagine like so much of my, this is what I tell people when I, they ask me like, why don't you care about other sports? I'm like, well, so much of my brain is like already dedicated to football that like, an unhealthy amount that like, I already feel like if I started putting other sports in there, I would start to forget like my name where I live. Uh, and that's all like, yeah. So I don't know. And I also care too much about other things like, uh, you know, super off the wall politics and, and, uh, books and stuff like that. But I'm a weird guy anyways, but but back to you, Evan. Uh, so you, you like reached out to Greg Rosenthal. What were you doing before you, before that happened? Were you kind of like part-time in anywhere else or, or what, what happened there? Well, I had graduated from Marquette University where your boy Alex Gelhar also went. Mm-hmm. And um, I had planned to go to law school, but I mean, I, I didn't fully apply myself in college, didn't get great grades. You know, I, I just kind of went in there, got my degree and got out. Um, so I, I wasn't really looking at good law schools. You know, I was just looking at some place to go to a law school and I was taking the LSAT. And I was, um, t- I took a class before the LSAT, et cetera. I was all in the process of doing that when I was talking with Greg Rosenthal. And um, I sent him a lot of the, a lot of the work that I would do over Christmas break and, and over summer break during college. And, you know, he, I think he was, I mean, he, he just, he gave me a chance, you know, and he gave me a chance to write blurbs. Um, and he gave me a chance to write, you know, simple little articles and I mean, I did that for, for free for like six to eight months. Um, and then eventually they, Roto World hired me. This is before NBC had bought Roto World. Um, Roto World hired me for, I think it was $500 a week. And, no um, and I mean, I, I, at that point, like I just, I, I was ready to spread my wings, man. I, I moved to Chicago and, um, I'll tell you what, living on $500 a week in Chicago is, is very, very difficult unless you have a lot of roommates. Let me tell you, I'll jump in there real quick. Uh, I actually can kind of sympathize with that. I used to make, um, at the job I had before, uh, before I worked for NFL, I yeah. made like, you know, cause I was working in social work, uh, and like was only part-timing in football. I was making like 700 bucks a month or not a month, 700 bucks, uh, like over a paycheck and was living in like the DC area. So I can, I can kind of sympathize with that. Yeah. And some people would think that some people would think that Chicago is expensive. Washington DC is 
is maybe twice word. as expensive. Yeah. 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 Oh, that that's one cool thing that I kind of picked up also um, from listening to these podcasts. I'm originally, or I was born in Fairfax, Virginia. I know you're, you're oh, from. Oh, shit, really? Yeah. That's where, that's where I lived right before, like before I moved out here to LA. Yeah. Adam Leviton is also from that exact same area, which is kind of interesting. I didn't know that at all. I'm glad I don't live in Fairfax anymore, though, personally. <laughs> LA's a little bit better. Yeah. But, are you liking it? Do you love yeah, it or what? Yeah. It's, uh, I, I, like, I like it for the most. I like it a lot more than I expected to because, you know, when I got the job out here, um, I, I was kind of like, yeah, I never really pictured myself in LA. Like, that's not really my scene, even though, you know, I put myself together with all the hair and all that. And I, I am a total like vain sociopath, but, uh, I, but nevertheless, like it's not really the place I ever would have seen myself, but uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool out here. I don't know if I'll be here for like, I don't know if I want to be here forever, but uh, it, it's, it's fun. There's a lot to do here and, and so there's like something for everybody. And you think like LA has this real pretentious and like up its own, the hind parts uh, uh vibe about it and it kind of like parts of it do but there's also very laid back places and like you can pretty much find whatever you're looking for so it's it's not bad i listen to the around the nfl podcast i listen to a lot of podcasts and that is because i cut out sports talk radio yes um, smart and move. i'm also and i'm also always dr- driving my daughter around to different like to ballet and soccer and, 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 you know, school and all these different things. So I, I, I spend a decent amount of time in the car, but, um, but I, I, the reason I said that is because I wanted to kind of like, if somebody heard this, you know, how do you listen to so many podcasts or how can I listen to that many podcasts, you know, just cut out sports talk radio and just listen to podcasts constantly. Um, you, I, I, I feel like you'll, 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 feel like you're taking more away from what you're listening to. Um, but I, I listened to the around the NFL podcast because um, Chris, Chris Wessling and Greg Rosenthal are on there. And Chris will sometimes talk about how expensive LA is and how he isn't paid enough. And he talks about the, he, he talks about like uh, how the, the women will only date you if you're six foot three or taller well, I am six foot three, so I don't have that problem. <laughs> does. <laughs> but uh, the other two parts I can definitely in. Yeah, it is very expensive and I'm probably not paid enough either, but I am also, I, I just got here. So Chris has a couple, right. uh, he's got, he's got a few more years on me. He can start making those complaints on the podcast publicly, but. Uh, right. And, and initially you're just like, oh, this is awesome. I'm writing about football for a living. I'm living in LA and it hasn't really hit you until like you need to buy something. Right. Right. Yeah, I'm all, Wes is also, you know, more than a few years older than me, too. Uh, so, like, as long as I can buy enough beer in a month and, and dog food for, for Charlie, like, <laughs> I'm, all, I'm all right for now. Uh, in a couple of years, maybe I'll start to I'll, – I'll get on the Fantasy Live podcast and start making those gripes. But, uh, that's yeah, that's a whole other thing. But, no, L.A. is great. I, I For the most part, it's, it's pretty cool. I can't hate on it, but that's interesting. I totally didn't know that, that about you, that you lived in Fairfax. That's, that's nuts. Yeah. Well, I lived in uh, like Arlington. I was born in Fairfax, okay. but I lived in Arlington until I was like 12 and then mm-hmm. uh, moved to St. Louis. Nice. And the point you made about podcasts, I'll also like second yeah. that I listen to pretty much like every football podcast that's out there, unless it's like too mainstream and terrible. And there are several of those. Um <laughs> But uh, yeah, because I because and I, obviously I don't I do not have a daughter driving around to uh, different places. But like when I walk my dog, listen to a yeah. podcast. Like during the season, I try not to when I go to the gym uh, to listen to podcasts because it just I prefer to listen to music. But like during the season, I do because it's just I don't know about you, Evan, but like I feel like I never have enough time to read content that's mm-hmm. out there. But so like taking it in audio wise, like when I'm not doing anything else, like when I'm charting a receiver for reception perception, I'm usually listening to a podcast. Like that's just the best way to consume information. That's a great point. Great point. Yeah. So, so back to, back to your story a little bit there, you know, so really you pursued uh, Greg essentially, like you just, you just yeah. kept hounding him. And I think that's kind of a point that's come around a lot. Like, you know, Matt Franciscovich talked about it on his episode. One of my other coworkers, like that persistence is such a big deal. Um, and kind of not being afraid. Like, were you ever at all worried that, that he was going to say no, or was that a factor in your mind or was it just a blind pursuit? Man, 
man. This is we're going back a while, you know. I, I don't yeah. really remember exactly what my mind frame was. I just knew that I loved Roto World. I just loved I loved player news. I always enjoyed knowing about players. You know, I remember when I was a little kid and my dad would take me to the Orioles game. This is before, you know, the the Nationals came around, of course. Mm-hmm. Um but my, my dad would take me to the Baltimore Orioles game and, you know, every time a player would come up, he would explain to me, you know, Randy Milligan, you know, he's, he's got some power, but he strikes out a lot, you know, and that, that always interests me to like know things about players. So, um, I mean, I was never really a super addicted to, to fantasy football. You know, I just really like to know about players. And I think that that meshed well with Roto World because, you know, Roto World has expanded to become bigger, more, more um, but at its heart still, Roto World is all about the player news. And, you know, we provide that content for free. We don't have, you know, lower level workers doing our news, you know, it's Pat Doherty, it's, it's me, it's Ray Summerlin, it's Nick Menzio, you know, we, all of our writers write player news. Um, and so I, I think that, yeah, I mean, that, that's the, that's the nuts of Roto World. And that's something that I was pretty decent at right away, just because I had the ability to like take in a lot of information about players and regurgitate them in a readable way. Yeah, and that of course is the the heart of of Roto World is the player news, and uh, you mentioned earlier like the snark in it, and that's something that like uh, some people have, you know, differing opinions on. I te- I definitely like enjoying consuming a little news and like having kind of that, you know, last little quip in there. Um, why why do you think that's like such an attractive quality of it? I mean, just because it makes it more interesting. You know, yeah. it, it spices it up. It's, you know, sometimes the player news are the player news is boring. You know, we have to do blurbs about offensive linemen at times, you know. Um, but if you can add some snark, and Pat Doherty is the best at this, and uh, Ray is starting to get better. You know, Ray, Ray's only been with us for like a year and a half, but um, he's – so he's starting to get more comfortable doing like snarky stuff. You know, it, it takes a while to really get the hang of it. Um, but Rotopad is the best at it. And he's number one, he's a really, really good writer. And number two, he's smart. And number three, he can write in a funny way. And, um, and he also knows a lot about, you know, players and about the league. So um, he's, he's the, the premier, the premier Roto world blurber right now. Yeah, you can sometimes tell like who write like who who which writer wrote that blurb or whatever just by kind of that last little bit of uh snark like snark or sarcasm in there. And I, I think it's definitely funny. Yeah, you can tell which ones Pat does and uh which ones he doesn't. That that back and forth that he got in just sidebar, that back and forth that he got into with uh pot roast a couple weeks ago or a week ago, that was yeah. that was too funny. I, I could Yeah. <laughs> You, you, you got to have him on the podcast at some point. You got to have a million other people, though. I don't, I don't need to add any to, to your plate. Like I said, man, I got the spreadsheet. So it's all uh, it's all yeah. locked, and, locked and loaded. Uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, there's so many. I mean, there's just so many people to talk to in the industry. And you mentioned that, like, how it's kind of different from what it, how it was when you got in there. And I remember listening to, like, you and Sigmund on the couch a couple of times talking about, like, and I know Sigmund says this all the time, that he's lucky that he – got into it when he did and not now because there's so much more competition. So kind of how have things changed since you first started in the industry? I mean, just the NFL exploded. Number one, the, the NFL was not covered like this, you know, seven years ago, the NFL was, I mean, each team would have one beat writer. There were times where the beat writers would have to take off, for, for certain teams and cover, cover other sports. So no one would really even technically be covering the team for a few months in the off season, you know? Um, I mean, it's, it's just, just totally, totally different. Twitter wasn't around, you know, Twitter has exploded. The, the has played a role in, in the um, exploding the fantasy industry because now, you know, I know who, 
you know, 14, 14 team mocker is, or I, I know who, I mean, I may not have known who, who you were at, at one point, you know, yeah. um, you know, I, I know who, I mean, I think it helped me to find out like who JJ was, you know, I, I don't think that I knew who JJ was before, before Twitter came around. So, you know, it, it put me in, in, in contact with rich rebar. You know, I don't, I don't know if, if we, if we didn't have Twitter, Twitter and Rich Rebar had been writing for XN Sports for seven years, I'm not totally sure that I would have ever even known who he was, you know, and that's just an example, but Twitter has played a, a huge role in allowing fantasy writers to connect. Yeah, it certainly has. And I mean, I owe my pretty much all my success to, or at least being the impetus to it is, is Twitter. Uh, you know, that's how, whenever somebody asks me like, well, well, what do I do like to, you know, to get out there? I'm like, well, get out there, man. Like, you know, start tweeting people back and forth. And like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know about you, Evan, but like, I definitely pay attention to, I would try, I mean, you have a lot more followers than I do. And I'm sure your mentions are probably more of a disaster than mine are at times. Um, but I definitely like try to pay attention to everything that's going on. And I will say like, you're of all of the bigger names in fantasy football. Um, you're, you're one of the guys that definitely like shares other people's work more. Like you mentioned, you, you've tweeted out my podcast a, a couple of times and thank you for that for sure. Um, and like a lot of other, like, you know, smaller writers work, like, why is that? And I think that's pretty cool. I mean, it's, it, it helps grow the community. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I think, why do you think that's an important thing to do? Um, I, I mean, <clears throat> I don't know. I think that I, I used to feel like a sense of competition against other fantasy writers. I mean, this is very early, um, you know, maybe my, my first year or two, um, doing fantasy football, but then I went to, um, a fantasy, uh, like an FSTA conference and I don't, I'm guessing you've never been to one probably Harmon. No, nope. nope. Um, I know that Sig went to this one in Dallas after the season. I was unable to go, and I I, I regret that because I wish I would have been able to meet him. Um, but it's a trip. Let me tell you that. <laughs> I, I think that I think that the first time that I went to one of these fantasy conferences, I just kind of understood that I I, I came to realize that like these are my people. You know, I mean not not like not like Moses, my people, but like I'm like these people you know? <laughs> and, um, b because I could talk to these people about football for hours and hours and hours on end, you know, and they kind of thought like me, you know, they, they, you know, they, they were just like, th this is like kind of who, who I'm a part of, you know, I spend a huge chunk of my life devoted to knowing all about, you know, knowing almost every player on every single roster, you know, um, I mean, I, you know, these are, these are not like competitors against me. These are people that are very much like me. And, um, so I, I want these people to prosper. I want our industry to prosper. And I mean, it's, I, don't, I don't always think about that every time that I, you know, try to distribute somebody else's work, um, or, or pass it out you know, to other people so other people can read it. But I mean, I, it just, it just, it just kind of comes naturally to me that I want to like, that I want to number one, show my Twitter tw tw or give good information to my Twitter followers, but also, you know, to just be able to just spread good, good work. You know, Matt Harmon, you do awesome work. You know, Waldman does incredible work. Um, you know, there are smaller fantasy writers that do incredible work and they don't always get, you know, a, a platform. And it's really the least that I can do um, because I, I want to see other people prosper. And this this industry is just it's a great, great industry to be in. And I don't take that for granted. And um, I want to see other people do well, especially if they're good. Like if I if I see that somebody's good, they deserve to do well. And the least that I can do is tweet out an article that they wrote or a podcast that they were on or, you know, what have you. Yeah. And it's to come to speak from the perspective of somebody that, you know, not long ago was 
in that aspiring group or did not have the job that I do now. Like the couple of times when you like tweeted out, like, yeah, people should follow Matt Harmon or, uh, or like you like listen to this, uh, fake goods, a podcast appearance Harmon did. Like, it was awesome. That that's fueling for, for the audience to like, for, for the, for the person you're tweeting about, like it's motivation and it's like, Oh man, like, you know, if Evan Silver or, or, or who have you is, is tweeting out my work. <laughs> I better make sure it continues to be good. Uh, and that's important. And, but you know, the funny thing is like a lot of people in our position don't feel that way or aren't, uh, aren't like that, that, that they, they do view everything as like a competition. And I know we've talked about that, like with other people on the podcast and it's something that definitely bothers me. And it's, that's why I do this show is so that other people can, uh, can find their, their, their success and find that path. And cause it is a, it is a great industry to be a part of that i'm i'm lucky i'm here i think we're all lucky we're here uh and and yeah it's 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 a cool thing i think that you do that one other way that the industry has has changed too is that well just the kind of the way that people in the sports media or you know the, the the fantasy industry kind of so about like six to eight years ago the way that people thought you come up or that you kind of make a name for yourself is through ripping the bigger entities through ripping, you know, ESPN, you know, like with Deadspin. Um, mm. I remember, you know, a long time ago, a lot of people used to try to rip Matthew Barry a lot. You know, it's not really like that anymore. You know that, but that used to be a popular way to kind of get your name out there. I mean, to some extent, that's how pro football, f- uh, talk.com got big is because they would, you know, I mean, they would, they would kind of rip ESPN sometimes, you know, they, they would rip whatever, you know, personalities on ESPN and they, to some extent made their name that way, but it's really not like that anymore. I don't think, I mean, I, do you, do you really see anybody growing their, their name or their brand or, or themselves through ripping people? Um, I mean, I think some people still try to do it. I definitely. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I think some people still try to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely see people doing it, but I don't see those people like going anywhere. You know, I've, I've never seen somebody that I viewed as one of those people like that rips on others or tears down other people's analysis. Um, that any ends up getting anywhere. I mean, you, I feel like you can build a little following, but you're going to put a ceiling on yourself when you do that. In my opinion. Um, I, yeah, it's, I, it bugs me a lot. Like when I see people do that and I tend to like, you know, I, and I don't want to sound like I'm, you know, better than anybody. Cause I'm not, uh, but it definitely makes me kind of like just lose interest in what that person has to say. And I mean, they're, like, there's definitely, there's a lot of trash analysis out there, but I just don't see the point in like trying to, to step on somebody else to, to, to lift yourself up. I, I don't know. That's just me. Yeah. And, I, but I think that at some point er, there was a point at which people kind of wanted that, you know, people wanted to read on DS on, on Deadspin you know, what mistakes had ESPN, you know, ESPN personalities made lately or, you know, et cetera. But I don't know, just, just a thought. Yeah, no, that's interesting. I definitely can't speak to that perspective. Um, I, I, I know that I can't, I obviously came in kind of later than that. Um, right. So yeah, that, that's really interesting. I, I didn't know that at all. Um, Evan, what, are there any other main changes you can, you think that have happened, you know, either good or bad? Or is that pretty much the main stuff? I think that's mostly the main stuff. Nice. Um, so kind of continue, <laughs> kind of continuing onward uh, through 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 your your journey, I guess. So, how did you? So was it just that Greg moved on to other opportunities that ended up, you know, you getting yourself up the ladder, I guess, and now you're kind of like the top dog there. So. For a few years, Greg Rosenthal was not really, he wasn't really writing for Roto World anymore. Um, he was writing for profootballtalk.com. I mean, he was, you know, still 
my boss and Chris Wessling and Adam Leviton's boss, but um, he was writing for profootballtalk.com. So we, we didn't really talk as much and it was me, Leviton and Chris and Rotopat came along at some point in there. Um, but yeah, when, when Greg left to go to NFL.com, he took Chris Wessling and, and it was me and Adam Leviton and Rotopat. And, you know, we, we had, we had to get some more bodies. So we, we got, uh, Nick Menzio, um, two years ago, we got Ray Summerlin. Um, you know, we added, uh, this dude named Jesse Pantuosco and he's, he's coming along as a blurber for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, when, when Greg went to NFL.com that, you know, kind of solidified me and Adam Leviton as the, the top football writers for Roto World. Nice. Well, yeah, it's, and, and it's all about kind of taking advantage of those opportunities when they, uh, when they show up or even just being there. I feel like that's something that, uh, that a lot of the guests have kind of reiterated that theme. Like I didn't really do anything too much. I was just kind of there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was just, I was just there hanging out, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's part of what this all is. Like, Sometimes it comes off so serious as if it's this or that or the other, but it's really just sitting around talking about football, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, think- I, 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 I think I wasn't just there. Like I was like working my ass off every single right. day, you know, and me, me and me and Westling were, um, and we were producing great, great content, I, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, you know, Greg, Greg wanted to move on. He had a great, great opportunity out there in LA and he has built up a great, I mean, he, he can build things, you know, he, he pretty much built Roto world. Um, and now oh, brick he, by brick, that's what they say on the podcast. I know. And that's, that's exaggerated, but, <laughs> <laughs> but he, he's a, he's a builder for sure. I mean, he, he helped pro football as well. Yeah, no, I mean, it's pretty impressive. Like I remember like the around the league blog back in the day and it was, it was like, no, there was nothing going on there really. Until, you know, Rosenthal kind of showed up and then they have this, you know, huge podcast. Those guys are on the network now. I mean, that's pretty nuts. I'm sure especially like, I'm sure especially like for you, you've known these guys like worked with them forever. Like that's, that's got to be a pretty crazy feeling, I would imagine. Yeah. When I remember talking to Greg specifically about that, I was like, oh man, are you going to be like on NFL network? And, and he was like, no, but he, he made it there, man. I mean, he's, he's on TV and, and, and it's pretty cool. Yeah, watching him go back and forth with Mike Silver about like his quarterback rankings or whatever this year was was pretty fun. I don't remember what they talked like they had some like they had some nickname for it. Like I, I don't remember like but it was it was it was good stuff. And that's the fun part though. Like there are like there are so many opportunities that that people can take advantage of now. There's just there's just so many places to contribute. Um when you when you look like throughout the industry what, who are who are some kind of people that are like do what when, what kind of content kind of piques your interest i guess is is my question there which was asked very poorly um it's that's a good question um i don't even know how to describe it i mean anytime that i see somebody like greg cosell or Waldman or Sig or um, on a you know Rich Rebar or JJ or Mike Clay or you or you know I, mean, I don't know I don't I don't want to like leave out anybody but anytime I see somebody that I really I really respect their opinion I want to hear it you know I want to hear it um, I also think that Rotoviz has done a great job of you know, they, they question everything. Um, they attack things, you know, through a data, data driven mindset. So I think what they do really interests me. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, sometimes it just comes down to like having a little bit of free time and, you know, seeing something retweeted or tweeted on my timeline and, you know, saving it for later and going back and reading it, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, I guess. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's for. I want to ask you this because this is something that I mean, I don't think we've ever discussed this on the podcast. Um, probably because I've been uh, too afraid; it's too antagonistic. But I'm going to ask you anyways uh, about what. Where do you stand on like the, you know, kind of this division that seems to happen between like metrics versus film analysis? Because you're kind of somebody that I feel like is in the middle. Not to mention you're obviously one of the bigger names out there, and like you kind of pay attention to everything. But where do you stand on all that? Like just just dish feelings on that. I'm all about feelings. So like I've read like Nate Silver, you know, I've read stuff that Paul DePodesta has written and those guys are considered, you know, data analysts and numbers driven decision makers. However, if you, if you, dig a little deep into, you know, Nate Silver and Paul DePodesta, what they really believe, they're both, they both firmly believe that watching players and paying attention to players and um, scouting players is absolutely critical um, to being able to make good predictions and make good decisions based on the information available. I mean, I've heard Paul DePodesta describe um, analytics in a totally non numbers driven way, you know, he's, you know, you, you're, you're, this is not the exact analogy that he used, but it's similar. Like if you're, if, if you drive in a zone a couple of times and you're going, you know, 40 and a 30 in that zone and you get pulled over, or if you see a couple of people pulled over in that same zone, you know, you kind of know like, Ooh, the cops might be looking, at this zone. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to adhere strictly to the speed limit in the, in the, in this zone. And all you're doing is taking data that you have collected in the past and make, and trying to make a better decision with that data, you know? So it's not all, it, it analytics is not all number stuff, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it, it's, it's trying to use information to make better decisions and that's all that it is. So I I don't think that you can really approach it from one. I mean, there are special people that can approach it from one way or the other, I think, and have success doing that. But I I think that unless you have a special gift like Matt, Matt Waldman, you know, I, I, I think that you need to look at all the available data and that's pretty much what Nate Silver writes in his book you know, is that you want to look, you want to try to consider as many different variables as you can. And you want to try to arrive at the best decision that you can. Right. I just, for me personally, I think like the kind of, you know, we mentioned this earlier, like people trashing each other uh, on, on either side of the fence seems kind of stupid to me. Uh, And I definitely think that there's a lot to learn from both. Like somebody was, was asking me today like about uh john moore's phenom index and like how he has uh josh doxton so low and like what i kind of thought about that and i guess my point to the guy was like i don't really get too bent out of shape about this sort of stuff like somebody reaches a different conclusion with a differing method like that's what's gonna happen and i don't know to me that's like that's okay and that's how i think we get better as a as a whole unit yeah and i think that what people are trying to do when they analyze things through a a strictly numbers driven way is they're trying to assess the probabilities of certain players so josh doxson you know maybe according to john moore's model and i love john moore by the way we've had him right on roto world he was right there with you on alan robinson he might have been before Mm -hmm. you harman on he was yeah he was yeah he was was. Um, but they're trying to assign probabilities so in john moore's model you know it's possible that josh doxson only has a you know, a 47% chance of becoming a, a, a wide receiver one eventually when, you know, somebody who's really a believe, believer in him from a film standpoint might might say that he's, you know, 63%. And then we're, we're just trying to, you know, use the information that we have to, you know, try to make our, our dynasty rookie picks. And I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think that film people and and numbers people should be fighting. I think that they should be trying to work together to make the best decisions and make the best possible predictions. 
Yeah, for sure. And it's like you said, it kind of paints like a range of outcomes when you do things from a strictly numbers based approach. And I like that because then, you know, (laughs) yeah, I mean, then, you know, like what you're getting yourself into, I guess. And yeah, I mean, from a reception perception standpoint, Josh Doxson's fantastic, but that doesn't mean that I need to think that he's like a 100% guarantee for success because that's, that's insane. Nothing is guaranteed, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's all, it's all just using the information that's available. And there's a, there's a ton of information out there. There's a ton of good people creating content. Um, Evan, if somebody approached you kind of like you approached, and I'm sure people have like, like Greg, like you approached Greg Rosenthal back in the day, like, you know, kind of wanting to get in, with Roto world. And I know it's a little bit different now than it was then, but like if they were an aspiring writer looking for your kind of advice, what would be one of the few things you would tell them is, is is necessary for them to do? Just work hard and produce good content. And I think that you're, you're going to be in good shape. You know, you don't necessarily need to hassle somebody like I did to, to Greg Mm -hmm. Rosenthal, but, I mean, just, just be willing to work hard. You know, I, I, that, that's what helped me was a willingness to work hard, a willingness to work without getting paid, a willingness to work where I couldn't, you know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't pay my rent some months, you know, when I was living yeah. in Chicago, making $500 a, a week. Um, but yeah, I mean, just, just have a good work ethic. And I think that you'll be in good shape. Yeah, that really is the key. Uh, and I don't really know personally where I found good work ethic because um, it definitely wasn't there throughout school until like the last two years of my college experience. But uh, I don't know. It, it, it just yeah. kind of comes to you, I think, especially if you like you mentioned, if you have the if you have the sickness for football, like sometimes you'll get into it and you'll find the work very naturally. But other times you might not. We've talked about that on the podcast, too. Like this, this definitely is not for everybody. You know, there's there's a lot of people that are just meant to be yeah. fans of the game and everything, and I think that's an important yeah. thing to find out as well. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, they're they're. I didn't, man. I don't. I don't know. Sometimes I don't feel comfortable like trying to like give people advice. You know. Yeah. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like. No, I hear you, and that's kind of why I guess I did like why I do the podcast is because you know, people will email me and ask me for advice. And, and yeah. I don't know. And, and so many people ask me to tell my story on the podcast. And like, eventually, I, I probably will find a way to do that. Um, especially like I would like to talk about some of the uh, like the the personal life aspects that led me to this point. Because mm-hmm. um, I think it's important for other people to hear. But I, I like, I don't want people to listen to what I did, because I don't know what the hell I did. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, this all happened pretty quickly for me too, and that's right. another thing that I don't want people to take away from like my story. That you know, and again, I'm not saying this because like I'm better than anybody else. It's just that's just the way life happens, you know. And and like I woke up one day, I was like, hey, I'm gonna be a football writer, and then like two years, like two years later, it, here we are. Uh, so, mm-hmm. but that doesn't happen for everybody. And uh, like I guess that's a, that's another point too, is that you know, there's just different paths for people to take. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Evan kind of winding down here. Um, I got a couple interesting questions to, to ask you here just about like, you know, like you mentioned, you have, you mentioned you have a daughter and, uh, and, and if you feel kind of comfortable talking about that, like what is, what's your life outside of, of being a football writer? Like, and how does, how does this job kind of change that? Um, well, my daughter is always changing because she's growing, you know? Um, so she, like every day she adds cap- the capability to do something new. And I mean, that's not even exaggerating. That's, she like is becoming more and more of a person every single day. And like, I can see it. Um, so that makes the responsibilities that are associated with her, you know, they increase every day, really. Um, so uh, it's something that in, in future during the NFL season, when things are super, super busy, you know, it's something that I'm going to have to, you know, make, make sacrifices with my work, you know, to, and I mean, I mean, I've already 
cut out a lot of things, you know, associated with work during the NFL season. I mean, the, the number one thing that I really do is write the, the, this matchups column on Roto world, um, which is, which you can read for DFS or season long. And it pretty much breaks down every single game every, every week. Um, it's huge. It's very, it's a very impressive piece of content. Oh, thanks man. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I try to do my best. So Evan, obviously we, we talked a lot about how the industry's changed. One of the biggest reasons that uh, it's changed is the, is the influence of, of DFS. And I know you've definitely, you've definitely taken, taken it and, and run with it in a lot of ways. Like you mentioned with the matchups column and, and you definitely mentioned it obviously on the fantasy feast and um, how, how has that kind of changed your approach and, and where do you see, I mean, again, where do you see the DFS thing going? I mean, I'm just trying to stay optimistic about it because it's really good for, for our industry as a whole, you know, people are more likely to read your, you know, your wide receiver article every week because they want to learn, learn about wide receivers, you know, or, and you, you break down matchups too on NFL.com. Yep. Correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I, I read a few of those during the season. Um, people are more likely to read our stuff, you know, that, that's it's really that it's really that simple um i mean roto world wants to expand our dfs coverage every year you know it, it, for me personally it it is it has really helped the popularity of my column um it has given me opportunities to work with uh the fantasy insider show on fridays um we do a, a show called the swole cast with davis matic and i've seen uh, a couple of those okay cool cool that's a great name by the way yeah it's awesome it's awesome um but yeah i mean it's just it's just given me so many more opportunities and i mean people like it you know yeah. it's it's a lot a lot of fun and i i hope that it's around to around to stay yeah let me ask you this and because this is a, a question that i go back and forth with myself on uh partly because of my own like societal beliefs i guess you could say um and the, the conflicts i have with that um do you think it's more do you think it's fun more so because of the money or because of the the way the game is structured it's it's fun for me even when i don't have a big week yeah you know? so that would tell that tells me that i like it for more than just the money. I mean, the, there's nothing better than getting a big score and winning some money, but yeah, you yourself had a pretty big one this year, this year, right? And it's, it's, it's a challenge every single week, you know, it's a challenge every single week. And, um, I don't know, man, it's just, it's, it's a lot of fun and it's great for the fantasy industry and I hope that it survives and I'm optimistic that it will. Yeah. For sure. Um, the, the, the only thing that I'm kind of scared about is, you know, is it regulated so to a point so much in certain states that it becomes not even worth playing? You know, mm -hmm. that's that that's a worry that I have. I mean, I, I think it'll last. I don't think it. I think it will last in most states, but will it be worth playing? Yeah, that is a good question. Um, working for the league, uh, I definitely kind of got some some hints of 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 the negative parts of it i get or like negative feelings towards it a little earlier than i think others did um so like all the backlash didn't really surprise me when it started happening um as far as and just to kind of answer my own question there i think that you're right though it's it's definitely more fun it's fun for more reason than 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 just the money in my opinion like the and i think the money is obviously the biggest hang up of it and I don't really know. I'm that's not my lane as to as to how to fix that at all. Um, but but it's it's fun. It's because of like you mentioned the the weekly challenge of it all, and like trying to fit things in. It's like a it's a different puzzle for my for my brain to solve, I guess. And that's like that's what interests me about it for sure. Um, Evan, kind of winding down here for one, I really want to thank you for your time tonight. This has been a lot of fun talking to you, and and I think like. 
just all the like just the changing paths of, of our industry. I think you did a good job uh, talking about those. I always give the guest one last opportunity to have the floor uh, before I yank it out from under you before we get out of here. So uh, any other things you want to get off your chest before we get out of here now is now the floor is yours. As my dog is wagging his collar in the background. <laughs> I would just say no matter what you do, if you're trying to get into the fantasy industry, if you're working at a bank, you know, whatever, just try to work hard and show other other people that you're willing to work hard. And I think that that's one of the keys, if not the key to advancement in, in any sort of business. Yeah, no doubt about it. And th- yeah, there's a lot of, th- and when, 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 when you, when you work hard, people will see it and, and yeah. people will find you. That's for sure. Um, so again, Evan, thank you for your time tonight. Uh, everybody is probably already following you on Twitter or uh, reading Roto world. Uh, but if, if you're not, uh, get with it. Uh, and so as, as for all you guys listening out there, remember you can enter in, get entered to win the, a spot in the Scott fishbowl. Uh, if you leave a review and rating on iTunes uh, and remember, try to, try to be creative, try to be funny. I, I saw one guy comment and say, show's really good, but I'm just leaving this to get into Scott fishbowl. I can tell you that guy, <laughs> that cat's probably not going to be the one that, that gets picked. Remember, no, <laughs> Here's a life lesson, people. Know your audience, and uh, so t- I think you can figure out what what makes me uh, what makes me laugh or I enjoy. If you've been listening to the show so far, so try to think of it that way. So remember, you can get entered. Please leave a rating and review, and I will pick the winner on next po- on the next podcast, which we'll record next Monday. So uh, definitely check that out. Um, and again, want to thank you all so much for listening, and I hope you learned something today.